Hello, Maverick fans. Welcome to another edition of the Mav Podcast. Jason. And I'm John. And there was a tiny bit of excitement this weekend. Yeah, you know, the series turned out to be more exciting than we thought. It's good to have you back on the Mav Puck cast. You were out of town last week, and I know you got to see uh, the Colorado Avalanche raise the banner for their Stanley Cup win. How was that? Uh, amazing, of course, as you would expect. A uh, ton of festivities. It's, you know, it's great as a fan just to finally kind of see that pinnacle and i just remember sitting there at one point in time after is at one of the intermissions and talking to some of the guys around us and i just remember thinking like how cool it will be when we get to the point of being able to celebrate something like this for you now you know raising a national championship banner or you know even for us like i think at this point in time just raising a, a conference championship would be you know a huge step forward for this this program and it's just fun to you know, be around other fans and, you know, enjoy the festivities and, you know, everything that comes with it. Like they had giveaways. We had, you know, little uh, replicas of the Stanley Cup banner and they had a uh, charity event thing where you got to buy, uh, where you got to buy things from former, former days of old. And I'll, uh, we'll bring this in on the podcast just because, you know, he has a little bit of uh uh UNO ties there but uh, they had some of the nameplates from the lockers and and that and I saw Jason Megna's there and he's playing for the organization and has been for a few years now so it was kind of cool to pick up his uh his nameplate there from his locker so that was kind of fun um so yeah just a, it was a ton to do but it was it was just all it's just so nice and and it'll be great when UNO gets to to do something like that and celebrate something like that yeah, we've gotten to raise a couple of banners for NCAA tournament appearances and our One Frozen Four appearance, but it would be cool to get an actual championship at some point down the road. So uh, Something that you've earned. Like, I think those, because I've seen those and it's like, they're great, but they're, they're like the quintessential participation trophy. You know, it's like, we were there and that's the banner. Like, I want to see them raise the like conference championship. We went somewhere, we did something, we won something. That's when I think, you know, these fans will really, uh, they'll really tie in and it'll be, it'll be pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. So that sounds like a fun trip that you guys had. We're glad you're back though, because last week Bridget and I had to do the game chat and she relied on me to kind of carry things. And normally during these things, I can say, you know, Jason, what did you think? And you'll riff about it for, you know, two, three minutes. And it's great because <laughs> then I can think about I can think about what I'm going to say next or who I'm going to mention next. So I'm glad to have you back. But we had Alaska Fairbanks come into Omaha this weekend. It's been kind of a rough start for the Mavs. We got swept at home against Niagara to start the season, and then we go on the road and we uh, we win on Friday at Lake Superior State. We tied them four to four in overtime on Saturday and lost in uh, the shootout in that game. And then we come into this series against Alaska Fairbanks, and I wasn't quite sure what to expect going in. I picked a split in this series just based on the fact the team has been wildly inconsistent to start the season. And there have been times when they've shown flashes, like maybe they can break through, certainly in that exhibition against Mankato. They looked very good. 
but yeah. the last few weeks they've kind of been a hot mess at times jason so uh so what did you think as we watched that friday game early on i thought they looked slow and sluggish against the nanooks i you know i would agree i think there was some almost hesitation at times uh you know we're i think we're seeing what what we talked about early in the season with a young team uh, a lot of incoming freshmen, a lot of first-year players, uh, a lot of transfers. So even these experienced guys that we have, you know, many of them haven't played together before, haven't played with some of the guys that they're playing with or, or on a line with. And, you know, there's just, there's, there's chemistry that has to be built. There's this feeling out period that has to be had. And with that comes inconsistent play. And that's what we see. That's why we see, you know, kind of a tale of two teams at times between not just like a Friday, Saturday tilt, uh, but also inside. I, It is amazing to me how one period to the next, they can seem like totally different teams. Yeah, they're definitely, you know, since it's Halloween season, they're definitely a Jekyll and Hyde team right now. And they started off the first period on Friday night, kind of how they started off the first period Saturday night at Lake Superior State the week before. They go down two to nothing, and then they give up a shorthanded goal at the end of the first period. At that point, we're just scratching our heads. You know, look, Alaska had quite a bit of success last season as an independent. They had struggles coming into this series. They hadn't had a lot of success early on to start the season, and you were kind of wondering what was going on with UNO. We relied too much on our power play on Friday night. There was, there, there just didn't seem to be five on five that urgency to get to the net, I think is kind of what I'm, I'm wanting to say. Like we, we kind of just all weekend, honestly, like we just got the puck and got in and took the easy route out. Uh, you know, Sunday we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but like Sunday, I felt like, especially early on in that game on Sunday uh, that we would get the puck in and there was this need to shoot but not let a play develop. Um, and I think that this team, it, it will come with, with experience, but, you know, they need, to, they need to calm down and they need to let plays develop. You know, we talked about we skating to space in some of the other games, you know, versus Niagara and stuff. With, you know, that's the kind of play that you get from a fifth-year player. You know, he knows what where where things are and then he can feel comfortable and confident in just not feeling the need to get the puck to net when there's not going to be anything there to help you i'm just i'm just going to call this right now i have a feeling they're going to look fantastic when north dakota comes to town in a couple of weeks and we're all going to be like why 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 is it such a struggle against some of these teams that we know that we should be very very competitive with thankfully UNO was able to tie the game up with a pretty goal by Matt Miller. And really the pretty part was the laser-like pass, uh, dot-to-dot pass that 
uh, Tyler Weiss uh, had in that, which is something that we expect from him, as you often call him the setup artist. I was hoping that they would find a way to win it in regulation. They did not. And then we go to the three-on-three overtime. I am not a fan of three-on-three overtimes. We actually have a discussion going on about this on the Map Puck message board right now. I preferred it when it was the old school five-on-five overtime, no extra shootouts, no extra overtime period. Whatever happened in that period, that was the final result. But in an attempt to make things more exciting in collegiate hockey, they decided to go with the three-on-three overtime. And Brady Risk, who I mentioned in last week's podcast, their leading scorer coming into this series, gets a goal two minutes into that five-minute overtime period. Subsequently, the Alaska Fairbanks players decide to congregate and celebrate in front of UNO's bench, which I know rankled a number of the UNO fans. I'm willing to bet that it wasn't just the UNO fans, but that's, it's kind of one of those unspoken rules of sports things, but like, it, it's kind of a little, uh, it's typically frowned upon. And honestly, like, I think that that specific event more than anything else leads to what we see on Sunday. I don't I don't want to jump too far ahead because I don't want to jump past all of Sunday's game to talk about it, but bookmark this. I'm gonna talk about this again. This right here, I I it's the precursor. It's the catalyst agent, as I would say. And you know, we talked about we just talked about the the inconsistencies of this team and you know that lack of patience and stuff. I personally, I like that not a, an opinion on three versus three overtime, but I would say that I appreciate the, the need and desire to match what the NHL is doing and prepare these guys for the future. And so because the NHL does three on three, like I think it's good that college hockey does the same thing um, because I think that prepares them. The, the thing that sucks is, is that because we're a, a young team because we have a lot of players who are still kind of learning how to play at this level, what you need in three versus three overtime is you need patience and puck possession. And we, that's two things that a young team typically will struggle with. And that's, that's, I think what we struggled with a little bit on Friday was pushing the play too fast, trying to get it too quickly instead of saying, you know, let's wait it out. Let's wait for something to develop. Um, And, and, take what's given to us instead of trying to, you know, jam it through and force it. I would have been happy with uh, having no more overtime games on the weekend, but, uh, but uh, the teams rolled into uh, Sunday. It was the rare kind of Friday Sunday series, which much in the way that I'm not a fan of three on three overtime periods, I'm not a fan of games that are Sunday afternoon at two o'clock, but I will tell you, UNO came out with a lot more pep in their step, I thought, and I thought that the team had looked like they had more speed. They played with a little bit more urgency in that game. I don't know what the coaches might have done as far as preparation went. They did tweak some of the line combinations, which I thought was good. For example, you saw uh, Nolan Sullivan, who had been centering the fourth line was on the third line this weekend. So it was scoreless through the first period. And my nephew Blaze, who was sitting next to me, said, John, this this is kind of a slow game. There's not a lot happening here, mainly because 
He loves to see the team score and the celebration and the streamers getting tossed. But about midway through, at the 11.31 mark of the second period, Johnny Sorensen, the transfer from Minnesota, Bridget mentioned him on last week's podcast, gets the first goal of the game, a power play goal. Alaska Fairbanks is up one to nothing. I was a little worried at that point that this was going to be the same song, second verse as Friday night, that they were going to get that two-goal lead on UNO. I thought the first period, the biggest difference was is that we played more physical than we did on Friday. You know, we weren't, we weren't letting them hit us. We were kind of, we were out there delivering, you know, delivering the hit. Um, it's, it's a bang, bang play. You're shorthanded. You know, it's, it's hard to, especially since we've got, we had so many calls going against us on Sunday league. It's a difficult thing to stay perfect going through those types of things. There's always breakdowns and it broke down. They scored, they capitalized, you know, it was good for them. And then, you know, we needed the bounce back and, and luckily, you know, what, three, four minutes later, Jack Randall gets his, gets back on the board. You know, I think he's the leading scorer for you right now. Not the one we would have picked at the beginning of the season. And it was, you know, it was good to see him get us back level. And I think the team kind of settled in a little bit more um, when we got into that one, one game than we were in that first period where we seemed to, to just be playing a physical game for the sake of playing a physical game. Yeah, you're exactly right. Jack Randall really has been Mr. Dependable this season so far. And it's great to see him have, this kind of success, as we mentioned before, uh, he originally started his collegiate career at Michigan, uh, left Michigan, played a season for the Lancers, and uh, arrived at UNO. And I'm glad with some of the departures we had last season, uh, he has really kind of risen to the top. But within the last minute of the second period, Alaska Fairbanks gets a power play goal, and that was on a five-minute penalty that came to Nolan Sullivan. And there are a number of people online who said they went back and watched the video on the NCHC TV webcast who don't believe that that was a major on Nolan. What did you think? Seeing it live, seeing it on the replay on the Jumbotron, yeah. I have, I don't think it's a penalty, flat out. Like, I don't even think it's a minor. Like, he doesn't, I've watched it. Feet on the the ground. He doesn't lean into it. The guy's coming across the middle with his head down. You have to know it's your responsibility as an offensive player. You're going to cut across the middle with your head down. You're going to get hit. I've got all the room to see exactly where you're going. And you're taught for years not to do that. He doesn't lead in. He doesn't shift in. He doesn't jump. You know, he makes clean contact. I haven't seen anything. And maybe there's another angle that, that shows that there was primary contact to the head or even, you know, a glancing blow to the head. But I did not see, I did not like that call at all at a penalty and all. And I mean, if it's two minutes, it's two minutes. Like I get that it's a violent hit and, and, and that, but this is hockey, like suck it up. You know, I'm sorry. I just did not have any problems with that hit. And my big concern coming out of that when we were going into the third period was, I was afraid that that was the message to the team from the refs that, you know, we don't want you playing physical. And so we're going to call you for everything. If we get a chance to toss you because they had reviewed two against Alaska Fairbanks and both times decided, no, nah, it's not that bad. We're not going to give them a penalty. And it's like, <laughs> now you get one opportunity to, you know, to go after our guys and penalize our guys and you take advantage of it. 
you know? And so like, I really worried that our guys were going to think that, you know, we're playing the refs and the refs are going to do anything. And we're going to stop playing that physical game. And that change of pace might've been what Alaska needed. Luckily we didn't, we still came out in the third period and played a pretty physical game. Um, you know, and the refs, I don't know. Part of me wonders if they realized when they got back to their locker room, that they made a mistake because early on in the third, uh, they call a, what I would consider a fairly borderline cross-checking in front of Omaha's net on their power play uh, to kind of level the playing field for the last more than half of what remained on that major penalty. I kind of feel like that was the little bit of the makeup call of like, well, we are not going to get bit by this again and give them another goal. So you know, here's a way to kind of level it out. Yeah. I mean, I thought the officiating crew was mediocre at best. First of all, they reviewed two penalties that they didn't actually call. You're right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, then they call the one against Nolan Sullivan, which I love that play by Nolan Sullivan. UNO needs to play a physical game. They need to set the tone. We need to get the rest of the players fired up. And I thought that was a really important play going into the third period. Jack Randall tied it up about three minutes into the third period. And I think that really set the tone the rest of the way. It was a shorthanded goal. I was leery about going to overtime again because I hate letting teams like this hang around. We just, we haven't had the ability to really put anybody away during this regular season so far. And that was it. That was the odd goal because it came, it came shorthanded, but play went on for, a good couple minutes before they finally reviewed it and realized that the, the puck actually had gone in. And uh, I haven't had a chance to go back to NCHC and watch it. I got to watch it on something I can zoom in on. Uh, but when they did the replay on the jumbotron, it almost looked like it was a three poster. Like it actually went off a far post off the back bar and glances off the near side bar as it comes back out, which, you know, is why it didn't get whistled as a, um, I think as a goal to begin with is, is because of that last kind of tick off that bar, the short side, which is normally where you'd shoot that. So, yeah. So it was weird to have to like, not only the, the prospect of like, we reviewed the goal. So we have to go back and put time on the clock. Sullivan had come out of the box, played some hockey, and now he's going back into the box to finish off the rest of his penalty again, which is just kind of a, it's a, it was an abnormal thing to see. We ended regulation tied two to two. And it turned out to be a more exciting overtime period than I think uh, I think any of us thought that it was going to be. I was uh, certainly keeping my fingers crossed that UNO would find a way to win. Omaha with, you know, less than two minutes left, they had a power play. And, you know, at that point in time, you know, you're either going to score and win or, you know, you're going to end 3-3 because the odds of a, at least the odds of a shorthanded goal are not very high. Um, especially when you're dealing with that much space. So, so yeah, and we get Weiss from the top of the umbrella with this nice low slapper that I, goalie didn't even see. Like, he hardly even made a move. He didn't go down in his butterfly at all. And it goes in, you know, on what would be Weiss's short side and just just a great setup, finally getting some patience, like we talked about, inside on that on that power play and moving the puck around and letting things develop. And, you know, we just got the opportunity for, for kind of a, a slap shot from that top of the umbrella and UNO wins the game. And all hell breaks loose. And yeah. And then, then the fun begins. <laughs> the UNO team trying, uh, trying to 
to have a little uh, turnabout is fair play moment. Decides to skate over to the Alaska Fairbanks bench and celebrate <laughs> in front of the uh, assembled uh, uh, Alaska Fairbanks players and the coaches uh, of the Nanooks on the bench. And, uh, and if that wasn't enough, shortly thereafter, the officiating crew, which we've had a lovely time talking about on this podcast, Jason, <laughs> decides that the players need to shake hands at center ice as they normally do after games, but they decide that this is a good idea. And then a brawl ensues. If you don't want to call it a brawl. A gentleman's discussion, we'll call it. A gentleman's discussion. Uh, A lot of people have gone back and analyzed these plays. It's all fine and dandy, but the only opinion that matters is the one of the two referees that decided to put 12 penalties on the score sheet. Yes, they did. You know, from what I read online after the game, it sounds like Tyler Weiss and one of the UAF players fist bumped after the games. It seemed like things were going okay, but another UAF player decided to, to get in there and, and uh, get behind Brock Bremer and shoved his face into his own teammates and, just all kinds of all kinds of uh, interesting fisticuffs ensued. And if you're watching this on YouTube, Jason and I currently are talking over video of all of this going on at the end of the game. It was very exciting. Uh, UNO's athletic director, Adrian Dowell, came out onto the ice to try to separate the players. He had Mike West, who's the executive associate athletic director for external affairs. Because as we all know, the UNO athletic staff has the longest titles in the world for what they do. Uh, Mike West, uh, a well-known marketing guy here in Omaha who did great things at Creighton University. He and Adrian both uh, worked at uh, Creighton University before. So they were both out there on the ice. I don't think I ever saw Trev Alberts out on the ice when, uh, when he was athletic director at UNO. I've seen a lot of fights in the in the handshake line over my years of watching hockey uh i have never seen administrative staff come onto the ice to assist with the uh security of the event um i you know what we know of of adrian you know i'm i'm sure that his i'm willing to bet his thought was i don't want this looking bad for me, my players, my university. I don't want a black eye for UNO coming from this, you know, so let's get out there and and put an end to this right now. Um, I'm curious what you think about that decision to come on the ice. Uh, You know, I was, I was fine with that decision to come on the ice because like you said, you have seen a number of these situations develop, whether you're watching, you know, amateur hockey like the Lancers, college hockey fights don't happen very often because fighting is not allowed in collegiate hockey. For those out there who are listening, people ask me this every season, fights are not allowed in collegiate hockey. Um, And you've watched a lot of NHL and AHL hockey over the years. It's one of those things where you might think we've got them settled down 
But then if they're left out there alone to their own devices, you know, somebody might uh, get in somebody's face or throw a punch or something like that. I thought it was good that they came out onto the ice. I, I appreciated the fact that they were both brave enough uh, to get out there onto the ice uh, among those guys. Uh, in addition to the, the Alaska players being hot after the game, their coach was uh, very, very hot after that game. So it'll be very he interesting. Had, I had watched him come off the bench and leave before the handshake line even started. And I kind of thought like, okay, that's probably good. It looked like Gabnet was standing on our bench, just kind of waiting to see what was going to happen. Uh, before he stepped out and decided, you know, was he going to join the handshake line or not? Alaska's coach was yelling the entire way that he walks down the boards and out. And then as soon as he gets to uh, the doors so that lead back to the visitor's locker room down there, like he still stood there yelling stuff on, you know, onto the ice. And part of me wonders if some of the issues and stuff that, that we had, if those, 12 penalties and stuff are not, you know, related to, or I mean, I hate to say that it's his fault because it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of players who made a poor decision in my, my opinion. Uh, but at the same time, like as a coach, you shouldn't be asking the athletic director of, a, of your home institution to manage your players. Like, yeah, you're upset. You don't like the way the calls went you know, you, you should have been a coach long enough that you know that this kind of stuff happens and things don't go your way and stuff doesn't, you know, but when you're berating them that when they're, when you're yelling and stuff like that, like you're just encouraging your players to get involved in something like this. And then it just takes a spark. And that's what we got. We've got a guy that skates back down the, the handshake line to come up behind Bremer and bait him into you know, this kind of thing. And then of course, you know, his players are going to stand up for him. Right. You know, and unfortunately what we end up with is two Alaska players and two UNO players who will probably miss their next game. Uh, as, as I read the NCAA uh, stuff, this isn't an NCHC, this isn't a, you know, conference or, or non-conference schedule kind of thing. This is the NCAA says for college hockey that, match penalties and game misconducts that happen after the final horn are automatic one game suspensions for our fans and stuff. Uh, Brock Bremer and Caden Bolson, we will not see on Friday. So Jason, I got to ask you, who is your player of the weekend? It almost goes back to your consistency comment earlier of like the, if I just look at Friday's game, I'm thinking this player. And if I just look at Sunday's game, I'm thinking this player. But unfortunately, it's not the same guy. And the guy that played well on Friday doesn't play as well on Sunday. And so I, you know, I struggle with this one about who to kind of really, to really call out. And I think that I'm going to go for a change. I'm going to go off the board a little bit to a guy that maybe doesn't, you know, hasn't got, we already talked about, about him a little bit, but I've been very impressed with, with Caden Bolson's play. And I think, you know, even though he's not on the score sheet and I hope that he gets there soon, I, I have a feeling like it's kind of one of those, you know, you just feel the pressure behind the dam and you think he's going to get one and then it's just going to start to flood. And I hope that's the case. Uh, but I really think that, that he's on the verge of something. I, I like his play. He's aggressive. 
but not to the point of a wild card kind of thing. Uh, you know, he's got a good shot. He fills lanes. I think he's pretty responsive. He seems to be pretty responsible defensively. Um, so I've, I've been really impressed with him, and, and I hope he continues that play. Yeah, I agree. You know, he was originally a commit. Uh, to Minnesota when Don Lucia was the head coach. Then they had the change of, of regime, and uh, we've been waiting for him to have a breakthrough season. And I think it's possible as this season progresses that this can be that breakthrough season for him. So uh, we won't see him Friday against Long Island University, but uh, I, I like that pick, Jason. That is a, a unique pick. I was going to do something really unique. I was going to go with Nolan Sullivan for that hit near the blue line that got him into the box for five minutes because I thought that was a great physical play and that's something we haven't seen a lot of uh, from the Mavs this season obviously the way that the game has changed the way that officials are calling penalties and UNO in recent years being a highly penalized team I know that they're trying to avoid some of those mistakes but I liked the physical play because I think sometimes that gives a spark to the team And I know I'm making an argument for Nolan Sullivan here and I should just pick him, but I'm going to go with the easy pick, which is Jack Randall, because I don't know how we cannot pick him for this series. Uh, He really has been so far the most dependable player. The most consistent scorer had two goals on Sunday afternoon, which were really important in that game. You would hate to have gotten swept. So it was nice to get our first win at home of the regular season so jack randall two goal performance this weekend that's who i'm picking i went with the easy pick and you and i have done a great job avoiding picking tyler weiss i don't know if we're going to be able to do it much longer Uh, you know you talk about the consistency of randall but like him and weiss have been the ones week in week out you're getting what you expect out of them you know you're getting good play you know obviously we weiss with the game winner on sunday night uh, is a huge thing. And, you know, his setup on Friday night, it's just, that's what you expect. You know, he's out there quarterbacking uh, the first power play unit, you know, which is because of his, his talents, his, his ability to, to wait for space, his vision on that power play. When you've got that extra space, you know, he's willing to hold on to it for a little bit longer. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to, if things continue the way that it's going to be, we'll just have to kind of put them up as the perennial two. And then we're picking our three and four at that point in time. Cause I, when I picked Caden, I was like, I just, every week it's these two guys that, you know, are, are driving the boat bus and, 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 you know, taking this team sometimes on their shoulders and saying, all right, fine. I'll carry you with me. Turning to our, Things you missed at Baxter Arena. Jason's going to regret the day that he came up with that uh, title for that segment, but it's perfect because now when I go to series, Jason, I'm looking for things that people might have missed who weren't there or were in the concourse when it happened. One of the things that I noticed, Jason, going into this series, I saw a couple tweets from Baxter Arena on Friday afternoon before the Friday game against Alaska Fairbanks that DoorDash was their new mobile ordering partner for concessions in the arena. Uh, Bridget had done mobile ordering last season, but they used a different platform for mobile ordering at Baxter Arena. So DoorDash was new. And I said to Jason, I said, we got to try this sometime. 
for the podcast because this is the kind of, you know, consumer feedback as fans that we like to do when we're at Baxter Arena. And you decided on Friday night, you're like, yes, I'm ordering something. You ordered. Now, are they the barbecue nachos that you ordered? Yeah, I think they called them the pizza box nachos. I did not know. I was literally getting a large pizza box filled with nachos. So, yeah, my... uh my eyes were bigger than my stomach on Friday night. Now, what did you think of the ordering process through DoorDash? When you think DoorDash, you think about ordering food to your home and having somebody deliver a sandwich or a pizza or a meal or whatever to your house. What did you think about it in the arena? I, I will say this. like I was pleasantly impressed with how it worked. Uh, we had talked before we had decided to do this on Friday. Uh, that I had looked at it because they had mentioned no fees. And I had looked at it during the Niagara series because I'd saw the signs. And when I had gone in during the Niagara series, it showed the delivery fee in my cart. And now that I think about it, my assumption would have been that they probably would have taken that off if I had ordered back then. But I had seen that. And so I decided I don't need to pay an extra couple bucks to order in my app because I'm a and I'll jump on just about anything early on, you know, I'll just go down and get what I want and, and that'll be fine. Um, so it was nice that they had updated or fixed that, that kind of issue because it didn't show the fee this time, which um, I think is pleasant. Like, I think it's nice that you don't have to pay extra to do it, but it worked really well. I thought it was, it was simple. It was easy. Uh, I, we really didn't have any problems. The only, the only odd thing was like, I think it told me, uh, 15 to like 28 minutes or something for your food. Uh, so we had decided to kind of go down there and just wait for it and see exactly how long it took. It took nowhere near the 15 minutes that they said it was going to take, you know, on the, on the bottom order. It was much faster than that. So hopefully with time, they'll get better about how quick their turnaround is. Um, but walked right up, got my food. I was able to order a beer, which I don't know how they do that, but sweet. Uh, I didn't have to do anything special or anything like that. And, and yeah, I was, I was really impressed. I think they did a really good job with it. Um, now the next thing is next step. I order, you bring it to my seat so I don't have to move. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah. I mean, that would be great. And I tagged along with you down to the concession stand. For those who don't know, they have a special line for people who order uh, via DoorDash that you can go to. Uh, and uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, I have footage of the regular line. It was a fairly lengthy line. The game was close to starting at that point. So it really was expedited service for you ordering through uh, the DoorDash app. When I mentioned that DoorDash was the provider to some of the other people around us, when they think DoorDash, they wondered if there would be wait staff who would bring the food up to your seat. And I think that might be a nice little perk uh, at some point. Uh, for fans, Jason, if not, they could at least try it like in the club seats and see how that worked. But uh, yeah. And a I mean, I know NHL teams and stuff that do that and, and other, uh, I know people have posted, uh, they have season tickets to MLB stuff and, you know, they can order in the app and have food delivered to their seats. And it's usually a perk of being in a club or something like that. So we may not see it up into 16, but uh, you know, if you have club level seats, something, I think that would be a, you know, a perk at least to encourage people to buy those club seats. The other thing that I will say for people that are, are thinking about doing it, the next time we have a home game with North Dakota in town or something, uh, a couple of things to keep in mind. Uh, 
one, not everything is available there. So particularly like the where we went to get the food and, and what you see on the video and stuff, it, some of the, the menu options that you see when you're standing in line, you don't have available to you when you're on the, uh, when you're on the app. Um, and that includes alcohol sales. Like uh, the only thing that this one would allow us have was the uh, cooler case alcohol. Um, and then the other thing to keep in mind is, is that those little kiosks like the Chick-fil-A kiosk and the, the burrito bowl Mexican place and things, uh, those, those stands that are on the concourse are not part of uh, the DoorDash app. It's just uh, the two main bar area things, uh, concession stands, the, the barbecue place that's over in the corner, and then uh, Godfather's Pizza. Those are the four places, at least when we tried on Friday to order from. I'm glad you were willing to be the guinea pig, Jason, and order through DoorDash. I appreciated that because that gave us something interesting to talk about uh, this week for our things, things you missed at Baxter Arena. Arena. And I'll be honest with you, throughout much of Sunday afternoon's game, I thought that was going to be the most successful thing for you and this weekend was the DoorDash ordering app. So, so turning to our next things you missed at Baxter Arena. There were a number of people in person to me and on Twitter who were complaining about the volume Friday nights. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Maybe I was just tuning things out Friday night because I didn't notice that the volume was any louder than it had normally been. But a number of fans were disgruntled by the sound levels on Friday night at Baxter Arena. What did you think of the sound levels, Jason? Did you have a reaction like I did where you didn't really notice it? Or did you just find it really loud and it was hard to chat with the people around you? What'd you think? I didn't notice the volume Friday until Sunday. Um, I would say that I've been on the I've been on the bandwagon for upping the volume at every game for a while. Uh, it's not a new thing for me uh, to kind of want to hear that. And so, like Friday, it just kind of sounded normal. To be honest with you, to me, like I'm like, yeah, this is this is what I expect, right? And then Sunday, I was like, wow, they got the message. They turned the volume, like they cranked it up. Um, so I, I, I thought that was good. I think it, it creates a little bit more energy in the arena. Okay. So for all of you out there who have talked about bringing your earplugs to games, sorry, Jason, Jason is totally not your advocate in this instance. So, so we'll just, we'll kind of, I don't know. We'll call that kind of a wash as far as this segment went, uh, because Jason would like the volume amped up to kind of get people into it, get people energized. I was kind of ambivalent about the whole thing. There are others who'd like it a little bit quieter so they could chat. So we'll just have to see how this develops and uh, what the volume levels are like when North Dakota comes to town in a couple of weeks. Our next things you missed at Baxter Arena topic, and you might have actually missed this at Baxter Arena. Sunday afternoon, UNO had trick-or-treating for the kids in the concourse. So a lot of kids, including our niece, Scotland, and our nephew, Blaze, came in costume and they uh, went around the concourse. There were various staff members and UNO athletes from other sports handing out candy for the kids. It was kind of a nice little deal. It was fun. Blaze and Scotland had candy to munch on uh, during the entire game. So did your daughter, Maddie. So uh, I thought that was a neat deal. Look, it's something simple that you can do for the kids, 
But it's a lot of fun to have something like that for families at Baxter Arena. I agree. I think it was a great idea. And I know Maddie had a wonderful time, talked all the way home from the game about what she saw and what she got and like they need any more candy. But, you know, here we sit. And so her dentist probably doesn't approve, but I thought it was uh, I thought it worked out pretty well. It doesn't have to be big things that you do in order to make season ticket holders feel special and make kids feel special. And I know my nephew Blaze can kind of be a cynical bug at times, but when we dropped them off at home after the game, uh, he just, he was so thankful that we took him to the game. So I thought that was neat. And uh, so thanks, UNO. That was a good deal uh, to have before the game. And I hope they do it again. It's a uh, October series uh, that happens uh, on or before uh, Halloween next year. So turning to our next road trip, we're going out to Brooklyn, New York to take on Long Island University. This is their third season of play at the Division I level. It looks like both of those games on October 28th and 29th are going to be on ESPN+. Plus, According to the schedule on the Long Island University Hockey website, uh, the Friday game will be at 6.45 Omaha time, and the Saturday game will be at 6 o'clock Omaha time. So those games should be on ESPN+. Plus For those of you who subscribe, if you don't subscribe, Jason and I are big advocates of it because not only do they have great NHL coverage, they've got a lot of great docu-series, other Division I sports. And speaking of docu docu-series. Bridget and I just watched uh, the docu-series Banana Land about the uh, Savannah Banana baseball team. And for those of you who are interested in uh, efforts to market to fans and create a great fan experience, it is wonderful to watch. What do you think about Long Island's going into this game? They are coming off a series at Michigan State. They got swept by the Spartans. Overall, they're one, four, and one. They're a team that on paper you would think that UNO should be able to go in and sweep, but we've watched this UNO team this season, and I'm taking nothing for granted, Jason. You know, we it's one of those we talked about Niagara, and it's like on paper we should have swept Niagara, and instead we couldn't find a win at all. And, you know, even Alaska, like on paper we should have beat them both games this weekend, but both times we go to overtime and, you know, one bounce their way, one bounce ours kinds of things. So it's really difficult to kind of predict what's going to happen. What I will say is I think that it's more likely that we sweep them than we get swept by them. Um, But I think the most likely thing to happen is probably that we're going to split. Uh, They'll be at home. You know, they're always looking to, to make a statement, you know, remember when Arizona state had just started their team and stuff like they're traveling around, they, you know, they don't have very many opportunities at home. Uh, and so they're just, they're looking for a statement. They're looking to say, this is uh, who we are and then hang their hat on a, you know, defeating an NCHC team, even if it's not DU or North Dakota kind of thing. Um, so we have to go in there. We have to be prepared. We need to play like they are North Dakota. And we've struggled to do that. Yeah, we have trouble playing to the level of our opponents. And uh, and certainly that has been uh, on display this season uh, in these first three series that we've gotten to watch so far. Long Island University's one win is against Stonehill, which is a new Division One program. I'm sure we'll probably be playing 
four or five times next season. Um, so they have definitely had their struggles, although they have played a number of teams well, and they played a number of close games. They lost in overtime Northeastern. They tied in overtime to Quinnipiac. They lost one to nothing to RPI. So they may be a bigger challenge than we think going in. So your conservative pick of a split is probably right on. But I'm going to be optimistic after that post-game brawl that we had in the Sunday game against Alaska Fairbanks. I think these guys are going to finally be fired up to go into a series It'd really be good for this team to get a, t a couple of wins on the road against a team that they should be able to sweep before North Dakota comes to town the following week. I don't think they need that Long Island hangover before the Fighting Hawks come to town because that's going to be a brutal series if we don't get things back on track. So I'm going to be optimistic this week. And, uh, and hopefully, fingers crossed, those games are actually on ESPN Plus because usually the video quality, uh, stream quality is excellent on that platform. But in the meantime, be sure to follow Mad Puck on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find links to all of those social channels at mavpuck.com as well as back episodes of this podcast. And we appreciate you watching old episodes of this podcast. We encourage you to like and subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, etc. And until next time, Jason, go Mavs. Go Mavs.